Father, once again, we come to you today with grateful hearts. We come to you today with needs. We pray that all of our needs will be presented to you now. We're, we're passing those needs over to you. We're celebrating this weekend that's coming up. Just in three weeks from today, we will start a ministry in this community that will change lives of people. Not just the people that we're doing the work for, but it's going to change the lives of our people in this church that serve. And that's the beauty of what we're supposed to do, Lord. We're supposed to give to others. And today, I'm just praying for that weekend, praying again for all the, the needs we have in our lives. We, we pray again for our church, our church family here, all of our needs. I pray for Pastor Jerry today as he brings us the word. And we just thank you again for your love for us, the grace that abounds. And we just thank you for that. So I pray that we will be united together as a church family as this event comes closer but just be with us day to day as we wait for you to bring us home, take us home. We're just so excited for that, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, Tom and Alex, thank you very much. Last week, we looked at how the church together overcame fear. This week we're going to have a study about prayer and how moving forward together, how the church was affected by prayer. Our uh, opening passage is found in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Jesus is with 11 men. Judas was there, but he's already left in order to make arrangements to betray Jesus. And this scene takes place in the upper room. It is called the, uh, at the Last Supper. Jesus will die the next day. So in John 14, he's talking, and he says in verse 12, Most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works than these he will do, because I go to my Father. Well, that passage has caused a lot of concern down through time. What does that mean, greater works than Jesus? How can a human being do greater works than Jesus? And so scholars have wrestled with, it, with that, and primarily what they've come up with is that Jesus is talking about when you take all of the work that the church has done and add to that the number of years that the church has been in existence, that that is a greater work than what he was able to do singularly and in the location that he walked and talked in. So great works still are happening in the church today, and great works will continue down until when Jesus returns. Well, we read on. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now this is one of those texts, one of those passages you might see on a bumper sticker. It's one of the ones you may want to copy and put on the refrigerator. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Just picture your refrigerator right at the top, there's that text. And then right underneath it, the Cadillac Escalade that you want. And then over here on the other side, kind of that vintage Corvette that you've been wanting to have. And then, of course, the boat and a nicer house. Because that's what it's saying, isn't it? 
It sure sounds like that. Well, of course, you're wise enough to know that all these things are balanced by the totality of Scripture and that God does have a will and a plan for our lives and He does answer all prayers that we pray, but they're not always the Cadillac Escalade. Many times there's something else, but always it's what will give us true joy. Well, we read on. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, asking in Jesus' name is more than just mentioning his name in the prayer. Jesus' name is referring to his character. Jesus' name is referring to his righteousness. Jesus' name is referring to the total package that comes to us in Christ. And uh, we'll get an understanding of what that means as we read on. It says, and I will pray the Father, excuse me, verse 15, if you love me, keep my commandments. You will keep my commandments. So that comes in here in the context of praying in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name is not just a prayer offered with the name of Jesus in it and then living any lifestyle we want. Prayer is to draw us closer to God. Prayer is a worshipful experience. Prayer is to lift us from earth into the presence of God in heaven. Prayer is to acquaint us with His holiness, with His purity, and to give us a desire and a longing to have that in our own lives. And so as we pray in Jesus' name, it is a package where we are seeking to walk with Jesus in our life. We are seeking to obey the teachings of God. And it goes on in verse 16, when we do that, this is what Jesus does, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Then Jesus goes on speaking. He says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you a little while longer, and the world will see me no more. But you will see me because I live. You will also live. At that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Well, what day? Well, the day of the resurrection, when they see him again. They're going to be filled with deep sorrow on Friday when Jesus is killed on the cross. The world, we're going to read in a few moments, will be happy but Jesus' followers will be extremely sad. However, they will see him again, and when they see him again, they will know he's of the Father. And they will know that when they pray, that they are really praying to God through Christ. They are one, and they are together in purpose. So let's go to John 16 as Jesus continues, same night, same topic of prayer. John 16, we start reading in verse 16. A little while, and you will not see me. And again a little while, and you will see me, because I go to the Father. Now people are wondering, well, they must be talking about the second coming there, and certainly that does apply. But in reality, he's talking about the weekend they're about to have. Jesus is going to leave them, but he's going to come back after he goes to the Father. Well, how did that happen? 
Well, remember the story. On Sunday morning, when Mary came to the tomb, she was weeping. She thought Jesus was the gardener. She couldn't recognize him through her tears. And at some point, Jesus acknowledged who he was. She saw that he was Jesus. She's clinging to him. And he says, do not detain me. I have not yet been to see my father. So, what theologians believe is that Jesus whisked up to heaven real quick, got a hug from dad, said hi to the angels. Everybody was excited. Then he came back down to earth and he walked for 40 days among his people. And in those 40 days, he was preparing them for when he would leave, although he would be pouring out his spirit upon them, the Holy Spirit, and they would not be alone. They would not be orphans. But verse 17 then some of his disciples said among themselves, what is this that he says to us, a little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he says a little while? We do not know what he is saying. And by the way, I hope that gives you courage. Here are men sitting in the very presence of God himself and they don't understand. And we have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, and we read, we do the best we can, but folks, let's just be honest, there's just going to be a lot of things we do not understand. We move forward by faith. That's why it's called faith. But we go on. Now, Jesus knew that they desired to ask him, and he said to them, are you inquiring among yourselves about what I said a little while, and you will not see me? And again, a little while, and you will see me. Most assuredly, I say to you that you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. And you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will be turned into joy. God wanted them to be prepared. All right, you're going to have sorrow, but you are going to have a joy. He's going to say later in a few minutes, a joy that the world cannot take away. He says, a woman when she is in labor has sorrow because her hour has come. But as soon as she has given birth to the child, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Therefore, you now have sorrow. But I will see you again, and your heart will rejoice, and your joy no one will take from you. God is in the joy business. He wants to give us a joy that none can take from us. Well, let's keep reading because we're going to get to the point I'm trying to make with all this information. And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. So this prayer thing that Jesus is talking about, praying in the name of Jesus, walking with God through Jesus and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, all of this brings us to this point. God loves to answer prayer because it gives us joy. Now let me ask you something. How many of you have ever had an answered prayer? Let me see your hands. You have. 
Do you know what we're supposed to do with that? Remember it. Remember it. Because that gives us joy. That uh, uh, affirms in our hearts that yes, there is a God. Yes, He does care. Yes, He hears. Yes, He answers prayers. He is involved. There was a time in my life I kept a journal. And on one side of the journal, I wrote down things I was asking God. Prayers that I was praying. On the other side, I had a line drawn in the middle. On the other side, I would write the date that prayer got answered. I forgot about that thing. And it was a couple years later I found it. And I was looking at it. And I saw when I answer, asked for the prayer, and I, re I remembered that. And then I saw when that prayer was answered, I remembered that. And it brought joy to my heart because I, I, I was again reminded, yes, God does hear. God does answer prayer. And so I think, how many times have I spent sorrowful when I could have been remembering, when I could have had a joy so this prayer thing, Jesus found extremely important. He mentions it a lot about praying in his name. What will be the response of the people after he leaves? Do any of you know the first recorded prayer by the church? Do you know what it's about? Well, let's look. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, they have not yet even received the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, but they know how to pray, at least somewhat. And the first prayer is, whom should they choose to replace Judas who hung himself? Verse 23, and they proposed two, Joseph called Barsabbas, who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, you, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen. And you read the next two verses, you discover it's Matthias. So the very first prayer is, okay, who's going to replace Judas? We don't know. Let's ask God. And so they went to the Lord in prayer. They cast lots, and Matthias was chosen. Now they're up to the full complement of 12 apostles, and they're ready to move forward. The very next time that prayer is mentioned, it's mentioned in a wonderful picture of the DNA of the church. Verse 42 of chapter 2. Acts 2, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. The church got together. They listened to the teaching of the apostles. They enjoyed that. They enjoyed fellowship. They ate together. And they prayed a lot. So the church was a praying church. And they stayed and moved forward together as a result of that. In Acts chapter 4, we have the next prayer. The 12 have been arrested. They've been told they're not allowed to speak about Jesus or teach in his name. And uh, they've been threatened with death if they do that. Verse 29, here's their prayer. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit 
And they spoke the word of God with boldness. We need boldness. They prayed for boldness. God gave them boldness. And they went out and did what God wanted them to do. So we see the importance of prayer. We see its application in a couple simple ways. But I have a question for you. What does God do with the prayers of those who are not born-again Christians? What does God do with those prayers? Would you be surprised if I told you He makes a monument out of them? He makes a memorial out of them? He is honored by them? Well, let's look at it. Go to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, we're going to have the experience of a man who is not a Jew, and he is not at this time a Christian, but he is a believer in God. Verse 1, there was a certain man in Caesarea, that's a town, called Cornelius, that's his name, a centurion, that's his position. He is a soldier in the Italian, or with the Italian regiment. He is like a, a master sergeant, and he has a hundred men that he is over. He is a Roman. He's Italian. But he's a devout man and one who feared God with all his household and gave alms. Alms are charitable gifts. He gave those alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So here you have this man. He does not know Jesus as his Savior. He is not Jewish, but he fears God. He prays continuously, and his life is known for being unselfish as he shares with people. Verse 4, watch, or verse 3. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly... In a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. Well, if you continue reading the story, you'll discover that that's exactly what Cornelius did. He sent a couple men. They went to Joppa. They found Peter, and they brought Peter back, and Peter brought some others with him. And Peter taught Cornelius and his household about Jesus Christ. They all accepted Jesus as their Savior. They were all baptized. It's a powerful and beautiful illustration of what God does for all who are sincere in heart. This man was praying, and God made a monument out of those prayers. He made a memorial out of those prayers, and he sent an angel to help him. God is not willing that any should perish. And when people, where they are with their understanding, if they're appealing to him in prayer, they're seeking to live their lives in a way that is associated with what would be pleasing to God, God makes a monument out of it, and he sends help to them so they will know a better way. Praying is an extremely important activity in the life of the church. Last November, I was praying for the church, praying for the congregation here, 
And uh, it dawned on me that if I made a list of what to pray for, I would probably have a better prayer to offer. And so, I made a list. I came up with eight things. I shared that list with Tom and with Alex. They liked the list. And we began to pray through that list during our staff meetings. Then there was a church board meeting. I shared it with them. I encouraged them to pray through that and to share it with other ministries that they were involved in. And before long, other folks started praying as we recruited them to pray for the church. In January, I came to you and I identified there were eight things we were praying for. And so we began to feature one of those things each week in our prayer experience. In your bulletin, there is a list of those eight areas, and you're welcome to have one. What we want you to do is put it in your Bible when you're reading, and uh, you'll know where you stopped the last time. After you've read a passage in the morning or evening, whenever you do that, just take one of these things and pray for it. Just pray for one each day, and keep before God our petitions for the church. If you don't have one, I've got a stack down here for you. But the big question is, does God still answer prayers? Now remember in November, I started praying through this list. The pastors started praying through this list. The church board started praying through this list. In January, we all started praying once once a week together through this list. I want to share with you some answered prayers that have happened just in the last couple weeks. Hopefully it will help you see that God is indeed hearing your prayers and people's lives are being changed. You see, in the bulletin you'll notice at the bottom it says our purpose in worship, a community of believers experiencing God's grandeur, love, grace and hope. And so when we pray for attendance, what we're praying for is for somebody to come and experience God's grandeur, experience God's love, experience God's grace, and experience hope. And that comes through the teaching of the Word. And so we've been praying for attendance, for people to come and experience God. Well, I've learned attendance wears different faces. Attendance may mean something different to God than it does to us. Let me share. Ten days ago, the church office got a letter from a lady in New York. She lives in upstate New York. She indicated she loves our sermons, and she gets copies of them every week. So she gets copies of the sermons that are preached here. They're sent up to her. And then what she does is she has a group of friends that she shares them with. And then each of them has a group of friends that they share them with. Now, these are folks we don't know. Folks we'll probably never meet. Yet, they're benefiting from our prayers regarding attendance because people are experiencing God. They're experiencing His grandeur, His love, His grace, and His hope. Now, she wrote the letter thanking me for having biblical sermons 
but also she wanted to inform me that she has taken it upon herself to change the titles of the sermons. Apparently, Life Under the Sun Part 70 is not cutting it. So she listens to it and gives it a more topical uh, title, and uh, we're, we're happy that she's got that ministry. Monday this week, the church received a letter from a general manager of an FM radio station in the state of Washington. Some of you are aware of this, some of you aren't. Our worship services are recorded, and they're sent to about 100 radio stations around the country. Most of them play it one time a week, or at least twice a week, or something like that. I, I don't even know. This radio station plays, the, and the program is called Wellsprings. They play it five days a week. And they've been getting sermons since 2008, and they've been playing five sermons a week, and the request is they need sermons that predate 2008, because they've caught up with everything. They've already heard everything since then. But note what this is, quote, the Collegedale messages are very well received here and always impart a blessing, end quote. Now these are folks we don't know, but these are people that are responding to our prayer when we're asking for attendance. This past week I got a phone call from someone who attended church last week last Sabbath. And they talked about how powerful that message that was preached, how powerful it was for them, how life-changing, how encouraging. And here's the thing that just really touched my heart, and I hope it touches yours. Hearing last week's sermon has given them the resolve to do whatever they have to to strengthen their marriage. You know what's going to happen? God's going to strengthen that marriage. And there's going to be two people that are happily married who have had whatever going on. On Tuesday this week, I got an email from a person who attended our church last week. They described an awful trial that they're going through. They described the fear, anxiety, worry, and dread that had left them powerless and paralyzed. On Sunday, excuse me, on Sabbath morning before coming to church, they had looked for some hope and they found 2 Timothy chapter 1. They read those verses, came to church here. They're not a member here. They don't usually come here, probably haven't been here, I don't know, maybe once or twice in their life. But they came and so happens that the very passage they had read that morning was a verse that we featured in the sermon and it ministered to them and I quote, I was greatly helped in the worst hour of my life by your sermon, end quote. God is still answering prayers. God is changing lives. God is very active. Now, I received an email. Oh, there's another story, excuse me. On Monday, I phoned a family in our church to ask if I could bring some food to them that my wife had prepared. The husband said, I was just thinking of writing you an email because, well, 
writing you an email, thanking you for the sermon last week. It meant a great deal to our family and uh, helped us tremendously for what we're going through. Did you notice all this has happened in the last 10 days? Is God active or, or is he not? Now, the one I'm going to read to you here, I received on Sunday, February 16. So it's a little cold, not quite four weeks old. And uh, I got it by email. There's a woman up in Michigan. And uh, she listened to our worship service on the um, internet. She is a Sunday keeper. She is the bulletin secretary of her church. And on Saturday, while our services were going on, she was trying to finish writing the bulletin. And um, the pastor had given her the sermon topic and stuff like this, and she always has a little editorial note about the topic in the bulletin. But she was really discouraged. And uh, she listened to our worship service, had a response to it, and then she wrote what I'm going to read to you and put it on her Facebook. But here's what she said. I thought you might want to read what I put on Facebook yesterday. I know it is not a place you visit, but I thought it would be a good place for me to post this message. And then she says, I wanted you to know that if your church ever considers not doing the live broadcast, that they might want to reconsider. From the stage of your church to the ears of this granny in sweats in her home with a broom in her hand nearly 800 miles away through the praises of your musicians, God touched my heart. Blessings to you. This is what I posted. So here's their Facebook. Working on the church bulletin, I found myself restless and unable to think clearly. So much is going on as I was trying to summarize the pastor's message about the danger of compromising God's Word. All the anguish and problems of the whole world can be accredited to human compromise of God's way, word, and will. It all started in the Garden of Eden and is progressively getting worse. Those whose effect not those, excuse me, those woes affect not only our existence out there, but also in here, in the confinement of our human heart, soul, and mind. Restless with concern, I found it difficult to concentrate on what God wanted me to write. This week alone was filled with panting, urgent prayers for the life and health of family members, for the safety of beloved children and grandchildren, for the comfort of a precious spouse and parents, for the stability of employment, and for the harmony of our body of believers at the local church. Those were just the obvious recipients of my prayers, and there are too many others to mention. Having been accused of being an unrealistic optimist, I was somber this day with the fact that we do not live in Eden and our world is a dark mess. The only hope is the light of Christ that shines through his believers. His light in me seemed to be running on a low battery. So I turned up a live worship service broadcasted from my brother Jerry's church in Tennessee on the computer and left the computer room. 
I pick up the broom and started sweeping the mess that I could control. In the distance, I heard the worship band singing the song listed below. I was overwhelmed with thankfulness that our God reigns. Being so inspired by this, tears began running down my cheeks, and I stretched my arms out to Him, singing His praises. This is so uncharacteristic of my conservative nature, but it seems so natural at this moment. I was bruised, in tears, and needed my heavenly dad to pick me up. I wanted you to know that if your church ever considers not doing the live broadcast, that they might want to reconsider. We pray for people to be in attendance. Why? So that they can experience God's grandeur, His love, His grace, and His hope. And God is answering that prayer. Many, many different ways, and many, many different faces, and many, many different hearts. You see, friends, God wants to give joy to you. He wants to answer your prayers. But He wants you to experience Him in the process. He wants you to draw close to Him. He wants you to be serious about your experience with Him. He wants you to walk with Him through life. He wants you to consider and contemplate your actions, your behaviors, what you do and what you don't do. All of that is a package. And the same God who is moving in the lives of the early church is the same God that is moving in the lives of our church. And so I want to encourage you today. God is hearing your prayers. And He is answering many of those prayers. Remember that, that your joy may be full. And I want to ask you a question. I wonder if there's anyone here who is willing to say to the Lord, you know what, Lord? I'm going to take this simple tool that the pastoral staff has created. I'm going to put it in my Bible. And when I have devotions, I'm going to mention one of those. I'm going to mention it for my family. I'm going to mention it for the church. I'm going to mention it for my friends. Is there anyone here who would like to say that to the Lord? If you would, I invite you to stand. Father in heaven, we pray that the stories of answered prayer will multiply in such a way we'll be overwhelmed with joy as to your goodness and mercy. Help us all to pray in Jesus' name. We pray. Amen.